All right. So it's been a while, but we're back with another podcast. I have with me David Bassenti, who uh, used to be our friend, but he moved across the country. So, you know, <laughs> out of sight, out of mind, as they say. So no longer our friend. But anyway, um, so I had something in particular I wanted to discuss today uh, based on a sermon that I heard this past Sunday from our own uh, Father Michael Hanna at uh, Archangel Michael and St. Michelle the Anchorite Church here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, and David, you did listen to this, right? Like I asked, yep. So you had a chance to listen. Uh, are you muted? No. I okay. Muted. I didn't hear you when you talked. So my uh, bad. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. That's fine. Okay. Cool. Okay. Cool, cool. Cool. So a um, uh, quick overview of the um sermon is abuna was using the parable like the story of the the miracle of the healing of the paralytic to demonstrate why solidarity is necessary in the church but there was some stuff he touched on and i wanted to you know add this in during the sermon but it was running over and of course that that's more for the benefit of the children so an old man like me should keep his mouth shut right <laughs> but um so something interesting, and I think, uh, David, you can probably relate to this being in medicine. I don't know. Have you, you've worked in a hospital before. Have you ever assisted like when a patient has like passed out or fallen out before? I know you're a pharmacist, so that's not necessarily something you would come across, but you know, unpredictable things happen in a hospital, right? Yeah. So, yeah. um, I myself have never had the pleasure of assisting in someone, um, uh -huh. back up someone that's passed out or fallen no but um mm -hmm. i have done it in a on an outpatient basis as i mean i eat in like my own home and like you mm -hmm. know very like, but not necessarily in the hospital yeah yeah so like tell me what's the difference between picking up somebody who's awake and somebody who's not oh wow there's a huge difference i mean someone who's awake or like maybe passed out because of you know they got up too fast or something they have their own um they still have you know some sort of capability to kind of pick themselves up but they just need assistance from someone else to kind of completely help them up completely mm -hmm. um someone who is basically not conscious like they're dead weight essentially mm -hmm. you need more than one person oh yeah and this is interesting. I actually looked this up before, but I, I, given I know your proclivities that you're like, you're a very curious person when it comes to, you know, the human body and medicine. Do you know why a, like uh, an unconscious or like a dead person is heavier? Do you know why they feel heavier? Hmm. I can't say that I do, but if I had to venture on a guess, I would just say they go limp. Yeah. So what is it about a limp body? Because it's the same weight, right? Mm hmm. It's technically the same weight. Here's the interesting part. So apparently when you're awake and you're aware, your body automatically, like you automatically try to maintain your center of balance, right? Your center of gravity. Think about like whenever somebody's like picked you up unexpectedly and like, if you feel your body start to lean forward, you like, oh, am I like, Ugh! like you like clench your, your core and you're like, oh no, I have to stay upright. I have to stay yeah. balanced, right? Absolutely. So someone who's unconscious can't do that. So like they're flopping around and like their entire center of gravity is messed up and like the weight's going here or there, limbs going here or there. It makes it a lot harder. So now like when you pick that person up, you're not only taking on their weight, but you're taking over their own muscles function of trying to maintain their center of gravity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is, 
know, this is all an aside to say, like, somebody who's paralyzed, who can't, who is unable to control their own body, lifting them is really hard. It's a lot harder than, you know, like, you know, like, be like, we play around with the kids, like, sneak up on them and, like, grab them, like, aha, I have you, and, like, pick them up, you know? Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, this is a little wriggly kid, whatever. It's not that big of a deal. But if that kid was limp, you'd be like, what the heck? I didn't know you were this heavy. You know, yeah. it's always a surprise. It is. Yeah, no, it's a good thing. you. It's, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because, you know, I've never really thought about that until now because, you know, I've, cause I've picked up both, you know, people who are conscious and people who are unconscious. And there's a huge difference. You know, mm-hmm. the conscious person, like you lift them up through, you know, even if it's someone that, you know, it could be significantly bigger than you, you still have a means of at least lifting up off the ground. Someone mm-hmm. who's like, just kind of, it's almost as if like they've given up almost, or like just have no will to move. You try to move them. It, yeah, it's like a ton of bricks. It's, it's the weirdest thing ever. Yeah. So all of this is kind of like leading into when, like what Abuna was talking about, like how you need friends, right? Like you can't get through the spiritual life in church without friends, you know? So it's kind of emphasizing like somebody who doesn't have their own faculties, they can't do anything, you know, like you really like, so if you wanted to make it from a spiritual perspective, like someone who is, you know, sort of overwhelmed by sin, because that's the, the true lesson of the paralytic, right? Like he's paralyzed, you know, because, you know, for whatever reason, that his sins are like over have overwhelmed him and that has brought that illness upon him. Yeah. Which is why the first thing Christ says, like your sins are forgiven you. Yeah. Which first and which honestly, and again, this might be a little off topic, but I've always been curious as to like what sin he committed to have him become paralyzed. That's just something like mm-hmm. off that I've always ever, I've always wondered every time I read that story, it's like, you know, right. No more, less something worse happened to you, which kind of gives the kind of you know, it kind of gives well, that's you the other that's the other paralytic, right? Like, that's the because there are two paralytic. This is the paralytic where his four friends lowered him down to the house, yeah. And then there's, and then another there's paralytic. the yeah. one by the pool who mm-hmm. you know had been there, he'd been paralyzed for how long, like years, right? You know, um, and I think the of course, the reason that Christ doesn't really speak on the sins that these people have committed is because it's not about what sin you've committed. It's about the fact that there's healing, you know, there like there's forgiveness, right. You know? So, um, but it is an interesting question. Like, well, what would you do? But you know, we never know, right? Like there are people who suffer in their life who have, haven't done anything and yeah. like, why, you know, or like the blind man, you know, with that Christ healed and he said, you know, neither this man nor his parents sin, but you know, so that the glory of God would be revealed. Yeah, that's true. You know? So but it is an interesting question. Like what I wanted to focus on though, is like when you have somebody that can't, you know, bring themselves to God for whatever reason, like, or they're weak and we're supposed to be supporting one another. So I want, it kind of, to me, reminds me of this concept of vulnerability, right? Like if you are overwhelmed mm-hmm. spiritually, physically, however you want to say, and you're in the church and you need help, you need to be able to accept that help, right? Like, and part of that is being, you know, vulnerable. And um, ultimately, it relates back to our vulnerability with God, right? Like, why do our why does our spiritual life suffer sometimes? Because we're not willing to open up to God. You know, we're not willing to like tell Him everything, or we don't think He cares, or we don't think He can do anything about it. 
because if he cared, he would do something about it already. Right. Yeah. You know, these are the type of thoughts that we go through, but I was thinking of that, you know, like all of us when we're suffering and, you know, where we've been paralyzed, you know, by sin, by, you know, whatever imagined, you know, transgressions we've done. And we feel like, Oh, we can't bring ourselves to God. That's why you need your friends. Right. But they can't help you unless you're vulnerable with them and they can't even help themselves unless they're vulnerable with God. Yeah. You know, it creates this kind of interesting structure where it's like everything, like, you know, how, like you say, everything's being upheld by God, right? The entire creation is being upheld by him because the spiritual man is able to help others because God is helping him. God's holding him up, you know? Yeah. So that was just like a little interesting sort of observation I had that, you know, I kind of, I wanted to say it so bad, but I didn't have the chance, you know, on Sunday. Um, so how does that relate to solidarity then? You know? So that's a good question because, you know, when I was listening to the sermon, um, it, I never, I guess I never had a, um, a correct definition of the word solidarity. I think I had gotten it confused with solitary. So, uh, cause I've been <laughs> a lot of desert, uh, reading and stuff. So my, mm-hmm. but when, um, Abuna defined it, it's very true solidarity. I mean, if you look at Christianity, if you look at the church, if you look at, you know, in the beginning, you know, you notice a pattern that God Christ always meant everything to be, you know, in a union whereas community mm-hmm. you know right. so look at even even the creation of mankind and you know all creation it's it's all in unity it's all tied together as a whole you know and that brings you back to you know the the church and the body of christ we're all in this together is as, as uh as cliche as that sounds given these days but mm-hmm. it's true um and i think that's also why um there's a sense where God abhors the proud and God abhors those who single themselves out as being particularly special aside from the rest of the community, because then that essentially says that this person is devaluing the community or it feels like the community is not necessary to him or her based Mm -hmm. on, you know, whatever they feel they're superior. And so solidarity is very important because it gives us number one, it gives us support course number two well i should probably flip this number one it's because the church is our support that's what Mm -hmm. i would say is that the way christ you know instituted the church is a community Mm -hmm. you know he didn't you know have and of course you know of course after the church and the schisms all that that's you know they kind of lost sight of that in my opinion but if you look at the actual you know the gospels and what christ did everything yes he was the head as as understandable but then going down the line and like you see this over and over again, you know, the disciples had multiple arguments. Who is the greatest? And I think they had they still didn't understand the mindset, I think, until mm-hmm. after all that happened with Christ. But it's very important. Solidarity is essentially our we have to remember that we're not. And this kind of goes into like, you know, pride and center and all that. But solidarity is not something to be like, oh, like I'll be part of this community and I will do my part. And then you do your part and then you feel like, oh, I am the reason for this community. Or I'm... So that's a little prideful thinking, but mm-hmm. you have to always think of it from the standpoint of if I'm in solidarity with my brother or if I'm in solidarity with the church, 
I am a piece of that church. I'm a piece of that community. I am not separate or, you know, like, you know, aside from that body of Christ. Mm-hmm. So thinking of solidarity, it's very important because a lot of us, me, my special, I'm guilty of this. You always think like, you know, if I could just pray more, things will be better. Mm-hmm. And yes, you say things will be better for you, but you also might say things will be better for other people. If I just pray more, this, this, and this, and this will happen. And yes, that's partly true, but also you have to think of it in a larger scale than that. It's like you pray, but you also pray for others that they also pray. And like, it's kind of like, you know, I don't want to use like an MLM example, but that's, that's kind of how, yeah, I see your face right now. I didn't mean to say that, but that's, yeah, it's complete opposite, but kind of trending that it's, you know, where it's a cycle, it's a community. And I'm having problems, I'm having troubles finding the best, um, like way to define it. But that's to me, solidarity, solidarity is, especially when Abuna defined it, mm-hmm. is needing everybody to establish a certain goal. And I think the glory of God is revealed when a community comes together to help each other mm-hmm. and, and aim for a common goal. And that's where I believe the glory of God is revealed. It, what you're saying is reminding me of like the definition of the agape, right? The canonic love, the self-sacrificial yeah. giving love, right? Um, so one thing we'll remind ourselves of Christ in terms of vulnerability is that Christ made himself vulnerable, right? Like he completely submitted his human will to the will of the father, even though he was, you know, in terror going to his own death, right? Like he's just like, you know, in great distress in the garden of Gethsemane, you know, and even asking his father, like, if it's your will, you know, let this cup pass from me, you know? So that gives us an example of vulnerability, right? That like Christ was and Christ was dependent on others for almost everything in his whole life, even though he was God and clearly like not reliant on anybody for the continuation of his own existence. God being the only being that can say I am and say that like has no dependency on anyone else for the continuation of his existence. Absolutely. You know, but it was like, you know, the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And so he's relying on his disciples to have a place to stay. You know, he, when he was a child, he was relying on his mother to feed him. And then, you know, his parents to like teach him a trade and all of these things. Right. Because he was a carpenter. Yeah. Um, so he does give us one of the greatest examples of vulnerability and that, you know, while being God, he became us like us completely yeah. aside from sin. There's that aspect. But what I, going back to like what's your point of like solidarity and the canonic love, I wanted to kind of frame it in terms of what practical like thing we can take from it like what's our responsibility because what i find that we do a lot in the church especially is that when we have somebody who has been let down by the church by you know the community and has decided to like step away and we're like oh well that's their choice you know it's like we try to absolve ourselves of the responsibility that we have for causing others to fall which again goes against christ's teachings right like he said you know if anyone causes one of these little ones to stumble It'd be better for him if he had to hang a millstone around his neck and be thrown into the ocean. Yeah. So, so how do we frame this like in terms of like solidarity and vulnerability? Like, I am like when I sin, when I put myself against God, even when someone else wrongs me, like for example, like like because I don't want to go too extreme with this because it's gonna be taken to an extreme where it's like you know somebody does something bad to me, oh it's my fault. Like no every person has free will, like people will do bad things to you sometimes, you know, God forbid, 
you know, and God forgive them, you know, but your reactions under your control. If I choose not to forgive that person or I choose to hold a grudge or I choose to treat them differently, that's my choice and I'm responsible for it. Yeah. You know, but we, we, you know, we have, I think there's a saying that I would hear often. It's like, you know, the only thing we're supposed to be selfish in is our own salvation. And I agree, but I don't, you know, Mm -hmm. I think selfish in the sense that like, whenever you are fallen or you fall, you take that responsibility upon yourself. You know, it's like, it's not anybody else's fault. It's my fault. And it's my responsibility to do what I need to do to make up for that, you know, regardless of what it, you know, you know, going to confession, trying to draw closer to God, you know, praying, asking for forgiveness, you know, um, and also even, you know, being vulnerable is part of that, because even if you are caught in, you know, like a situation of like the paralytic man, you can't, no one can help you unless you allow them to, you know, because even in that instance of, you know, like, Abuna gave the example, like, maybe he's so paralyzed, he can't even talk, you know, so his friends drop him down, you know, and Christ heals him. And then after that, he'd be like, I don't want this. I didn't ask for this. You know, the man, we like, you don't know, the man could have gone to his friends, it's like, I didn't ask you to do this for me. I don't want anything to do with that man. You know, I'm so embarrassed, you know, like, you know, you lured me down in front of all these people. And then, you know, who knows what would have happened? God could be like, okay, you don't want my help. You don't want my healing. I can take it back. Yeah. You know, so in some sense, your own, like, it's, it's up to you. You have to take responsibility for that. But the results of your actions on other people, like, even if they react poorly, like, you don't control them. But if it's something you did that they're reacting to, that's also your responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So it sounds ridiculous if you think about it for long enough. It's like, okay, so I'm responsible for my own failings and the failings of others? How is that possible? You know, like, if your actions led to them you know, reacting that way, because even if, you know, God's the only one who can see inside of their heart, but they wouldn't, you wouldn't have even given them opportunity to fall if you hadn't done what you did, you know? Yeah. But the bigger point I want to hit at, like you're saying, like when, when it relates to solidarity is that the end result is that you no longer think of yourself. You're thinking only of other people, you know, how do my actions affect other people? You know, am I, what am I doing? You know, that showing that I'm united with God, you know? How am I like, you know, demonstrating my love for God? And then how am I demonstrating my love for my brother? And if everybody was doing this, you have exactly the scenario, like the situation that Father Edward Roman talks about in his book of the Trinity, where, you know, each person of the Trinity is a person, but each one is constantly emptying himself to the other two persons so that they are sharing of that same essence. Mm -hmm. You know, that's in my, like, I think that's the image of solidarity that Christ has given us you know, that he wants to see in the church, you know, that like, okay, you know, my brother's pain is my pain. So if I've added to that pain, that it's like, I take responsibility for that, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And you, you brought up a very good point with, um, with people being turned off and going away from the church. So yeah, I, depending on the situation, of course, I think the responsibility definitely lies on both parties. I think it lies on the first party who is being offended that you know if if they truly want healing if they truly want to be made well then they're they're gonna they're gonna go after that so i i don't know specifically this you know the scenario for the paralytic man i don't know if he maybe he did voice to his friends that he wanted to see jesus or maybe his friends brought it up to him be like hey we should go see jesus maybe you know he could help 
or maybe not maybe because their, their faith was really good. So I'm sure they were like, oh, he will heal you if we go see him. And so there had to have been, like you said, some sort of acceptance on the part of a paralytic man to want to be led up to the house and down the roof and then see Christ. Um, and I think it's the same, it's the same situation with this is that the person, yes, the offense, if the offense is coming from the church, of course, we need to reflect and we need to, you know, see what happened, where the offense lies and, and definitely try to correct it because that is something that not only reflects poorly, you know, from the, you know, the stance of the church, but it also is going to dull that person's vision of coming back to church or seeking help from the church. It's like, I've heard many situations where people like go into the church and then there's like a bad interaction or something happens or they weren't welcomed and they're just, just simply turned off. And it's, I'm sad to say that, you know, it, it only, first impressions are, you know, they really can make or break someone's experience. You know, you think about food, you think about, you know, anything in our daily lives that we experience or we like to, you know, partake in. If the experience is not good, chances are you're probably not going to do whatever that is again, or you're not going to go to that restaurant again if, if your experience is not good. So I hate to, you know, kind of like reflect that example on the church, but that's essentially what it is. Somebody who, has you know experienced or has seen from a second hand or third hand person the glory of god like somebody being blessed or healed or whatever the case is they know that practically that if if they keep digging for that 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 they can reach that level of blessing or that level of you know um you know being in touch with 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 christ and so i think it's it's a two-step fold and i think if the person being offended can potentially, and it's hard for someone, especially who is like outside of the church, maybe, you know, try to be more aggressive and try to like go back and maybe try to, you know, find some consolation with the bad experience that they had. And I think if we as a church try to take in that person that was offended or people and, you know, give them the truth, because that's the, that's the thing about the church is that you really don't know the church until like you're in it for quite some time. And I'll explain. And I think Blake, you have a lot of, obviously you have experience with this is that mm. you can come to the church for some people. It's different. Some people can come to one liturgy and be completely awestruck. Some people, it takes them weeks, months, however long. And then the more they delve into the church, they find that jewel, that pearl of the church, you know? So I think it's different for a lot of people, but I think if us as a church have that responsibility to like care for each other, in a solidarity fashion and that outsiders can see the way we interact with each other. They're going to want to be part of that. And so when they're part of that and we treat them the same, like we treat our own brothers and sisters, then I think that's going to be, it's going to go a long way into helping the church grow and, you know, essentially making the image of the church a more positive one than it is yeah. today. But um, yeah, yeah. I, don't want to I definitely want to, I want to emphasize that like, we don't want to think, we don't want to think too hard on like the responsibility of the people outside because that's between them and God. Right. right. You know, um, it could be something like, like putting it, it out there. Like obviously like the, no, no, no. The person it's truly finding, trying to find some sort of solidarity then. Yeah. I don't, could, it would be, I don't think it would make sense if they were offended from one visit and never come to church again or any church at that matter. You know, they might go to a different church and yeah, that, that could be just a cultural thing. But I think if it's a person who just doesn't like decides completely write off church completely, then I don't know if they're truly seeking what they. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's usually not just one interaction in that case, but like, and God forbid, if anybody who's listening to this is considering leaving the church, this would be something that I would hope you would consider is that 
you know, negative experiences within the church with individuals don't reflect necessarily on the truth behind the church. But Absolutely. when you when you investigate sort of like I always go back to Tim, first Timothy and the requirements of bishops and deacons that St. Paul outlines to St. Timothy is that people who are outside, they initially all they can see is what is is what the people do you know like whether or not they're convinced by the truth of christ you know that's all they can see like so what is what did saint paul say that a bishop has to be blameless you know no so and i think that I, was for all of us i think all of us have to be blameless but more so exactly are the clergy have to be blameless but that's right. who people are gonna see they're gonna see like you said how we interact and how we do things mm -hmm. in the church and again, being human, there's always going to be pitfalls. But again, it's like hoping that the person can see beyond the pitfalls and seeing the true beauty of the church in and of itself. Yeah, you know, because yeah. you're you're never going to get past you know human error. I'm sorry. Yeah, of, no, you're 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 right about that. I just I want us to focus on what's our responsibility as people who are within the church, right? Like I'm currently reading Hebrews, and you know, something that Saint Paul hits on in Hebrews is that. The reason that the priests are able to offer compassion to the, the laity is because they are also sinners, right? So we have that solidarity with the rest of humanity. And what do we offer in return is compassion, right? Yeah. So I want, I want us to focus on that, right? Like, what's our responsibility? Is that, that compassion, not only because we're sinners, but, be, you know, we, you know, we are sinners and our actions as sinners affect other people around us. And we want, we need to, we're going to be held responsible for that, you know? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's a, that's kind of, that's like, it's a good takeaway from, you know, meditating on what it means to have solidarity in the church. Um, so I, I really hope that we can all, strive towards that standard of having, you know, the true agape love for one another and we can have solidarity and be one body with one another.